You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Awesome. I think I'm just supposed to make an announcement about the garden out here. Um, there's a bunch of tomatoes and cucumbers and other there's zucchinis from the Jack's Garden out there to take home. Um, most there's a lot of stuff that's ready, but peppers aren't quite ready out here. You can pick green beans or cucumbers, um, but try to leave the peppers for a few more days <laughs> so we can get some ripe ones that taste good. That's Brussels sprouts are still coming too, so just be a little bit more patient and we'll have some tasty stuff. When do they go out to? Are you going to Jack's Garden this week? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Meet here Thursday at 5:30. Yeah, for Jack's Garden. It's fun. We should all do it. Were you going to? Thanks, Dan. Kara, do you have an Did announcement you, about announce Caitlin's fun? Or? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Good morning, friends. Um, Caitlin's fund, which is. Um, a lot of things, but what it is for this church is an adoption support group that is served through a variety of churches, bringing in many people from the community. And we have some spots that need to be filled. Um, one, we have a prayer team that is going to be there to support the families, and we need some prayer warriors for that. Um, we're also providing the families with a meal, and so we need some, um, it might just be cooks, but it also might be people who are picking up food and helping to cater and serve, depending on the numbers. Um, and third, we're also providing therapeutic-based child care so the families can bring their kids to a safe place. And um, these volunteers are going to be trained in how to help children who come from trauma and hard places. But those are the three areas. So um, cooks, prayer warriors, and volunteers for child care. If you are thinking at all about doing this, um, just give it a shot. It's an amazing way to serve a community that really could use some service. You could talk to Pastor Dave. You could talk to Pastor Bill specifically about the prayer team. Yep. Um, and I'm here to answer questions. Thanks. So there are just, the commitment would be seven times throughout the year. We meet once a month. Good question, Jeannie. It's just once a month. There will be a 30-minute training for the volunteers who are helping the children each time before we have our actual meeting. So you only have to make one drive once a month to do this piece of service. Um, and the first time is October. So you have a little bit of time to think about it, but not much. So <laughs> let us know. Is it a certain night of the week always? I'm so glad you guys are here. <laughs> you should, okay. So it is the third Tuesday, Tuesday. of each month. month. Except, Except November. for November, because, because of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And then we don't meet in the summers, and we take December off to celebrate Christ's birth. And it's at Central Church. <laughs> I'm really just a puppet. Way to go, girl. Way to go. You're doing it. Yes. Yes. And it's good. And you have another question? No. Are you feeling the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yes. Think about it. Pray about it. It's just a worthy cause, and we're bringing people in from all kinds of churches. How long do I have? <laughs> Thank you, Kara. We also just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who helped out to serve the breakfast for the staff at uh, Jane Adams Elementary. 
Uh, I know that was such a blessing to the staff there, and it's a great way to serve in this community and, and just make our presence known here, and I know that they're very grateful of that, and so we're grateful for your help in doing that. The meeting that was planned for after church today for covenant members, that is postponed, and so it's postponed to a date to be determined. So we will let you know in the e-blast or the upcoming announcements that come in the weeks ahead. If it's not next Sunday, we'll, we'll let you know. Andrew. All right. The, the scripture that uh, we'll, be, we'll be in today is Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. So may we have our hearts and minds prepared to receive the word from the Lord. So Luke 10, 38 through 42 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. I want to tell you that I have so much enjoyed this series on encounters, and I've enjoyed doing a lot of these sermons um, and trying to find, like, nuances of the various stories uh, to try to, to pull out and bring out for you. Uh, the one today is a, it's a pretty simple, straightforward encounter uh, that uh, Martha has, but I think there's some really good things in there for us to kind of dig deep and uh, try to pull them out and parse them out for you this morning, okay? So uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to do that for a little bit. Um, as we're getting started, maybe you want to find those passages, if you haven't already, in your Bible and just, just kind of follow along with us here. Uh, but I want to just say thank you to Life Church. Uh, when we talk about adoption and reaching out to, to those adoptive families, we're not just talking about Sioux Falls itself proper, but we're talking about people that are coming from places like Mitchell and other areas who have adopted children and don't have a really good support team around them per se, uh, but feeling the need for uh, some, some help, uh, also just some camaraderie, uh, just some simple emotional support, uh, someone that can say, I know where you're at, I know what you're going through, I've been there, we've done that, those kinds of things. It's, it's a huge, huge blessing reaching out into uh, a greater breadth of uh, the communities around us. Um, and when we talk about the other things we're doing, like reaching out to Jane Adams, it's just right down the road here. It's like just a few blocks, but it's the elementary school where the immersion program is taking place. And every immigrant student who enters the city of Sioux Falls, uh, for whatever reason, enters that school and goes through that school for a while. And so they're taken care of there as they, some of them learn a new language. Some of them learn how to sit on a toilet. I mean, it's amazing what is required uh, to help these little, little children adjust to life in America, life in Sioux Falls, life in this neighborhood. And so we have a real local reach, but we also have a greater reach. And uh, there are some of you sitting here today, you have been actively involved in international ministry for a long time. 
And so that's been a part of Life Church too. I just want to say to you, thank you. You are an amazing church in the way that you reach the community and beyond. And, um, of course, our mission is to make disciples, and we want to do that in any way that we can. But I don't think I say that to you enough. I don't, I don't tell you enough times how great you are. Uh, and and, and the, the beauty of that is I can say that confidently, and I can say that safely, because it's not going to puff you up. Um, I don't believe it is anyway, but uh, I don't think it is. I, I think that you are people who do great things for God because you want God to be great through all of your efforts, Okay. Um, and so it's good. It's good that we're doing all of this stuff. And sometimes it's good to just stop and think for a moment about why we do what we do. And what are we doing? How much are we doing? And where is our heart? And of course, that's a big thing in life church. Uh, we're always about checking our heart, you know, looking at where we are in, in the situations and the circumstances that we are in. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about Mary and Martha, in particular Martha and the encounter that Jesus had with her. This is sometime before last Sunday's sermon when Lazarus died and Jesus raised him from the dead, and we saw Martha and Mary's reactions uh, in that particular situation. Um, Jesus is on his way, of course, uh, traveling about. And, and uh, I just want to give you a little bit of a, a cultural context to something here as we get ready to look at Martha and as Jesus is traveling and as he comes along and, and actually enters her home, okay? Hospitality in the days of Jesus uh, was one of the most important social functions uh, of the ancient East. Uh, a guest was, was highly honored um, even if he was a stranger just passing by, all right? Um, there were not a lot of inns or there, there weren't hotels and motels as we would know them uh, in Jesus' day. And so most travelers, uh, they looked for a home where, uh, where they would spend the night, if you will, all right? Uh, when a stranger appeared at the, the entrance or, or the door of someone's home at the close of, of the evening, uh, it was very customary for uh, the head of the household, whoever that would be, the owner uh, of the home or whatever, uh, to almost always let that person in. They would bring that person into their home. That person would be invited to spend the night. Um, and oftentimes, if, if an individual refused hospitality uh, to a stranger who was coming through and it, it, it got evening time, uh, possibly the neighbors would take up issue with that and they would snub that neighbor. Uh, he would not be well thought of in the community because he was not hospitable or he didn't open his home, all right? Uh, and, and the idea there, I think, was, was a lot around that all of these who were hosts uh, were always keeping in mind that as they would have to travel a little ways away from home, that there would be opportunities when they might actually be the traveler uh, weary and tired and dusty, and they would need a place to stay. And so they would oftentimes open their homes readily to, to someone else. And once they opened the home to that person, they would feed them. They would cook a meal for that person. Oftentimes the host would even wait until that person had eaten whatever they would want to eat, and then they would eat after them. Uh, either that host, if that, if that visitor was, was someone noble or someone they thought highly of, they would take the time to personally wash their feet when they came into the house because everyone almost walked 
uh, in that day. And so their feet would be dirty in their sandals. And so they would take the sandals off of their guest and they would wash their feet in a basin and take care of them and get them ready, often sometimes even giving them what was called eating clothing. Uh, and so they would have a garment that that person could, could wear while they were eating that, that would be cleaner, if, if you will. Um, and, and oftentimes it would be the, the spouse that would come and, and wash feet or prepare the meal and that, that sort of thing. So this was a big, big cultural thing in the time of Jesus. And that person would be able to sleep there and they would feel safe there. And they were even allowed to stay longer if they so desired. Uh, customarily, it was like about three days. So a person could, if they really liked the place, they could take advantage of it for another day or two and enjoy it, all right? Uh, but after about three days, you know, as they say, the fish stinketh. And so uh, they, would, uh, they would need to move on, okay? But when they left, uh, oftentimes the host would literally walk with them for a, a ways. They, they would uh, escort them out of their home and they would walk with them, sort of as an act of safety and as a bidding of farewell to them. And uh, so this happened over and over and over and it was very, very much the culture in this day when Martha invites Jesus into her home. And uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, not only did Jesus come, but he had a group with him. So just want to give you a little bit of a sense of what the responsibility is in this day when you invite someone into your home. All right? Now, Jesus and his disciples, they are, they're, they are on their way. All right? They are coming into this village. The, the Bible says of this woman named Martha, she's opening her home to him she has this sister called Mary, okay? Um, and so we're going to talk about this story and unpack it here. Um, it was John the Apostle who, who wrote these words found in, in his gospel in chapter 21. He says, Jesus did many things. He did many other things than what was written in either John's gospel or any of the other gospels. Um, and he says, if every one of them were, were written down, he, he says, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the book's that would be written about them. And so we see from this that each of the gospel writers and, and the writers of the epistles, they had, to, they had to choose some of the things about Jesus that they would write about. And some things would be left out and some things would be added and some of them would write some of the same stories and some of them would write different stories. And John writes this particular story about Mary and Martha. And Jesus, as he comes in, and as Martha invites him into her home. And so I think it's good for us in all of the encounters that we have been talking about, and this one included, that we simply say to ourselves, why? Why would John see it pertinent, important, to talk about this particular story and to pass on to his readers this encounter of Mary and Martha with Jesus, all right? And let's just keep in mind as I'm talking to you today that indeed we are supposed to learn something from this, all right? God has something for you and I to take from this particular story here. Uh, and I think he's got some good words, good counsel, good wisdom for all of us that, that, that we can, can take from this, all right? The story itself is simple, simple enough. Um, Jesus, Jesus is in traveling mode here. It says Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Um, this idea of on their way or going is one of not only traveling, but proceeding in a course, all right, moving in a certain direction. 
And I think you understand from last week's message when we talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead, that that was a specific moment in time where where Jesus actually uh, delayed himself in order so that his greater glory could be expressed through raising Lazarus from the dead. So timing and place were essential. But I think timing and place are very essential here as well. As a matter of fact, I think timing and place is essential in every encounter that Jesus has with anyone. And I'm going to tell you this. I think when you encounter Jesus in a very unique and dynamic and definitive kind of way, it's exactly on time and it's exactly in the right place. And God is wanting to speak to your heart through that kind of encounter. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. He was on his way. He wasn't on his way to Martha's house specifically. That was a piece of where he was headed. But you need to understand that Jesus is always on his way to Golgotha. Jesus is always on his way to present himself as a sacrifice. Jesus is always on his way to the opportunity where he will be able to be resurrected and bring eternal life to all of us. Jesus is on his way. All right? And so... As he is on his way, as he's proceeding here, um, it says that, that and, and I think he's on schedule, his itinerary is, is moving just as he wants it to, and he's at this specific destination uh, where uh, John tells us um, that he goes into this particular village. This is where Jesus' friend Lazarus lived. Uh, this is towards the, the, you know, closer to the end of the, the, the ministry of Jesus. Um, he's staying there. But it says here something really unique, and that is Martha opens her home. All right? Martha, uh, this woman named Martha, welcomed him into her house. Now, Luke tells us simply, Martha welcomed him into her house. Uh, and this is kind of that word, that, that kind of verb that says, Come in and be a guest, culturally doing exactly what I explained to you that a host would do. So she's inviting Jesus and his entourage to come in. A lot of writers speculate that this could be 100 people, all right? So she's inviting all of them uh, to come in and, and to be there. Uh, this is the same word that Zacchaeus used in, in chapter 19 when he invites Jesus uh, to come into his home in Jericho. It's the same word that is, is used uh, when uh, Jason welcomes Paul and his party in Thess uh, Thessalonica um, in uh, Acts chapter 17. Exact same word is used. It's inviting them in to stay and, and, and to be there. Actually, it's, it's the same word that's used in, in the book of James when James references Rahab in the Old Testament, the harlot who invited the, the spies to come in uh, and, and to stay with her. So it was more than just a casual like uh, meeting or let's have a, a cup of coffee and then move on our way, but it's a time of coming in and you're in a place that is safe. You're in a place where... Uh, you can be purposeful and you can be intentional. Uh, and, and so I'm opening my house to you. I'm opening it for you and all who are with you. All right? So this is a... Martha doing this is not happenstance. This is not random. She has to be thinking about the implications of what this is. And she's probably also thinking about who's going to help her. 
All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite Jesus into my home, but I'm thinking about what all will have to be done, and I'm thinking about who will help me do it, and all of those kinds of things, all right? And keep in mind that Jesus, John, John brings this out so beautifully. Jesus has this dynamic in his ministry as he's itinerant and he's moving about um, and he's visiting with people. Um, he is constantly in this dynamic of person to person. Jesus isn't he actually, I think, if, if you really look at it, oftentimes he seems to more shy away from the crowd, you know? He, he, he obviously speaks to crowds on occasion, but oftentimes that's not his forte. That, that's really not how Jesus operates. And what he really likes to do is he likes to find a home that he can sort of go into. And so he goes into a village and he starts to teach um, and as he's teaching, uh, he's sensitive to those who are around him. He's very aware of the people. Um, he's looking for a person uh, where he can get invited into their home and stay with them. So this is a person that is, is a person of peace, a person that is open, that is inviting and welcoming, uh, probably a person who's uh, hungry for spiritual food and, and for teaching. And when that person would invite him, then he would go with them, all right? And just a side note here, that really is Life Church's dynamic in discipleship. That's, that's our, our process as we are looking to make disciples and as we're looking to go out in the community and reach people and try to disciple them. We're looking for a person of peace. You hear that phrase in Life Church in our training a lot of times is we're looking for that person of peace. When we go in the neighborhood and, and we walk around and we pray for people, uh, we're always looking for that person who is very peaceful and inviting and open to us. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't the kind of evangelist who booked a bunch of rooms at the local hotel and set up a, a place in a big arena uh, and uh, did some kind of mass evangelism. Jesus was a bit more in, intimate and one-on-one, uh, -on -one, all right? Now, we, we, we just might think from the culture that, that Jesus' friendship with Lazarus is the primary one since he, he was the man, and, and that would be often what would happen is, is that that a brother might introduce Jesus to a sister like Martha or Mary. But, but notice who issues the invitation in this passage. It is Martha. It is not Lazarus. Lazarus doesn't come along in this thing. This is Martha's taking the initiative here. She invites Jesus to stay in her home. And so keep in mind that as we talk about this, that Jesus often pushes through some of those cultural barriers of his day. You know, he doesn't let things hold him back. He doesn't, he doesn't stop just because there's a, there's a cultural issue that could be raised or, or, or could uh, sort of bring some, something into the dynamic or the mix here. Uh, and so Martha invites him into her home, the Bible says, all right? Um, she isn't keeping house here for her brother, it doesn't sound like. He probably lives nearby here in Bethany, all right? Uh, but it's her house, um, and since we don't hear about her husband, maybe she was a widow, we don't know. We could probably say uh, with confidence that probably her sister lived with her uh, here. Uh, she seemed very comfortable in the house uh, as, she, as she went about her business. Uh, but we weren't told these things exactly. But this is Martha's home, and Jesus has come into this place, all right? Um, and so a lot of times we sort of go with this idea that Mary is the spiritual one, and Martha isn't so spiritual. Martha's kind of just the, the, the work girl, you know? She just kind of uh, almost like, I mean, I've even heard 
pastors say, yeah, Martha was sort of the workaholic kind of person, and Mary was the, the, the sit and soak kind of person. And let's be careful about how we do that and how we jump to these kinds of collu- uh, uh, sort of conclusions. Martha is inviting Jesus into her home. Martha desires time with Jesus. Martha wants to know him. She is desiring to have him, to to host him, to serve him, to bless him, and and to to, uh, give this opportunity for all of these people to sit and to enjoy his teaching. And so she's seeing a great opportunity here, and she's saying probably in the back of her mind, I hope I'm not reading too much into all of this, but I think this is a lovely woman, an industrious woman, an inventive and creative woman, a a woman uh, of of presence, and probably a woman of some resources, and she's saying, okay, with what God has given me, what I have in my abilities, I can do this. I can create this opportunity, and look at all of these people who are tired and weary, and Jesus needs a place to teach, and I just want to give my my place, and I want to give my time, and I want to give my, my gifts And so out of her heart, she's wanting to give, give, do, do, be, be, all of that. So don't sell her short, folks, okay? Let's let's look at Martha in the right context here because I think she gets a bad rap a lot of times. And I think she's a great lady, all right? And I think even though we're going to see in a minute Jesus gives a slight rebuke to her, uh, he loves her. And he appreciates her for who she is and what she has done, all right? And so let's hold that. Let's, let's bring Martha up here a little bit here and put her on a different uh, platform, if you will, than maybe what some have done in the past, all right? So then it says, Martha invites him in, and all these people come in, and Jesus is there. Uh, and then in verse 39, it says, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. Now we meet Mary. While Martha is bustling around in the back and she's in the kitchen throwing the pans around and all of that, I don't know about you, but my tendency is if I'm frustrated and I'm in the kitchen, I make louder noise. I just want everybody to know I'm there. I want want you all to know I'm in here. I'm working hard. I'm in here. And I'm making life easier for all of you. But you need to know I'm here, all right? And and so I, I got a hunch that as... As things went along, probably Martha was getting a little bit louder, okay? You know, but she's in the kitchen, and she's, she's getting this dinner ready. And the whole time, Mary, it says, is sitting at Jesus' feet, and she is listening, all right? Now, if you understand that, that Greek, Greek verb there for sitting, it's like sitting down beside someone is kind of the, what, what, what the, the, the base word sort of means, but, but the rest of the sentence explains it a little bit better so that you really understand it. See, she didn't come in. Mary didn't come in with this intent of, I just want to hang around with Jesus, and I want to be extra spiritual, and I, I want to be beside him. She doesn't have this, this battle going on that the two sons had, uh, the, the two brothers had going on, uh, of wanting to be able to sit on either side of Jesus in this place of honor and, and you know, getting pride and all that going in there. No, it says that she sat down in front of him, figuratively, at his feet. All right? And, and so it seems to be 
a phrase that is, is giving us this idea that she wants to be a, a, a disciple, a learner of Jesus. So she sits down at his feet, not in a place of honor, but in a place of humility. Jesus, I, I want to learn. I want to I hear you. I want to I know the things that you're saying. I want to know what's in your heart. I think her passion to know Jesus on some level like that was equally as passionate and powerful as Martha's desire to bring everybody in and let everybody know Jesus. You know, and, and, and so I think both of these women have deep, passion and longing to experience Jesus, they just seem to be doing it in different ways. And remember last week when we talked about Lazarus, after he died and Jesus finally came, both of them went, they said the same thing, but Jesus' response to each of the women were different based on their style and their, their personality and so forth, all right? But here she is, and she's humble, and she's at the feet of Jesus, and she's wanting to learn while Mary's in here wanting to get everything ready and get it done and get it done well so everybody can, can, can eat and, and enjoy Jesus and all of that. My question to you and I at this point is this. What's your position? What's your posture when you approach Jesus? Are you seeking honor? Do you come to Jesus because you want to be in some way exalted? You know, you want to be thought well of. You want, to, you want, you want people to, to think how, about how spiritual you are. And so you'd rather sit by him than at his feet? Or is your position one of humility? Jesus, there's so much for me to know. There's so much for me to learn. And I, just, I come humbly. I come in a way that I can be teachable. I come in a way where, where I, can, I can sit before you and I can, I can learn from you. Let me take you to Acts 22. Don't, you don't need to turn there, about verse 3. But Paul talks about himself there, and he's describing himself a little bit. And he says, hey, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus. I was brought up in this city. And then notice what he says, at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. I was zealous towards God, as you all are today. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I positioned myself humbly to be taught. I wanted to learn. And so I put myself in that place to learn. That was important. That was necessary. And for Paul, as great as an apostle that he was, it was absolutely essential that there were these places of humility and these times and spaces of learning that were so essential and so important. And I challenge you and I that we live in that same kind of humility. You and I are never at a place that we are not capable of learning more from the Lord. And we need to keep ourselves humble in that process. Luke chapter 8 says, when they came to Jesus, the people of the, of the village, when they came to Jesus, they found the man. This is the man who was in, in the tombs, and he was the demon. It says they found the man from whom the demons had gone out of. Jesus had delivered him at this point. And notice what his posture is. Sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in the right mind. And it made the people afraid. They saw the dramatic change in this demonically possessed man who lived naked in the tombs and ran about fiercely. Uh, he is now sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed. And the Bible says in his right mind. In other words, he's in a state of mind where he can learn 
and understand from Jesus. And he sits at his feet so that he can be taught. There's something about getting yourself into the place in life and finding the rhythm of your life and being able to lay down all the other things in life that encroach and encroach upon you and be able to get your mind in a place where you can learn, where you can receive, and get your heart right so that your motive is, and the intent of your heart is such that you know that Jesus has much for you and you have much to learn and much to know. And in those places, you will grow. You will grow and you will flourish. All right? And so this man is able to be taught now at the feet of Jesus. And I think when we see this story that we're talking about today, we see Jesus not just allowing her to be there, but I think his allowing her to be there, considering the cultural context, he is encouraging her to listen. His desire is for her to stay there, to be there, to be present to him as he's teaching in Mary, uh, Martha's house. But this idea, this idea that Jesus would want her to be there at his feet and to listen to him is in itself radical. This is not the cultural norm. Women were openly despised by Judaism of, of the day. Women were exempt from, from the study of the Torah Many rabbis actually discouraged women from learning. So there's this huge oppressiveness that is, is prevalent all right, in the culture there towards these women. And she comes in into this mix of people who are in this entourage of Jesus. And it could be all kinds of various men. Uh, and it could be all kinds of leaders and, and teachers and maybe even rabbis or whoever. And she comes into the house and literally goes and sits down at the feet of Jesus. And she stays there. And Jesus allows her to be there. And he starts to teach. You see, if he starts to teach the people, that act is saying to everyone, it's all good now. This is good. Now I can teach. Everything's in order. Everything's acceptable. Everything's all right. And you can bet there were some guys in the back in the corner in the shadows going, wait a minute, this is not acceptable. This is not all right. This is not okay. There's a woman down there at his feet. He needs to do something. But Jesus teaches very, very satisfied, very okay that Mary has chosen this place, has chosen this position, if you will, all right? And so Jesus begins to speak. He begins to answer questions, possibly. He begins to tell parables. Uh, he's doing all of this stuff. And all this time, Mary is taking it in. I don't think she could imagine a better place in all the world to be right now than sitting at the feet of Jesus. But look at verse 40, the first part. It says, but Martha. Martha was distracted with much serving. There was a lot to do. And Martha's got that in her head. All right? Now, now, let's give them both the benefit. Mary probably is much more of a soaker. You know, she's the kind of person who can just sit and just enjoy the presence of someone. 
And Martha's probably the person that wakes up early in the morning. She gets up. She's alive. She's active. She's ready to go. She's a morning woman, and she's got things to do, and she makes lists, and she's organized, and she's on top of everything, and she's going at it, and she's go, go, go. But both are lovely, beautiful, precious women. They just have very different personalities and very different styles, if you will. And as Mary is enjoying her moment, Martha is probably getting upset. All right? Because it says that Martha was distracted, all right? In other words, all these guests, all this cooking, got to get these low tables set up so everybody can sit around them and, and eat and all of that stuff. She's probably saying, there is way too much to do here, and I'm half of what I normally am. Why is she not in here? And she's probably working these scenarios. I bet Martha's brain is in overdrive. She is going, what the heck is going on here? Why? She knows better. She knows what she should be doing here, you know? And, and, and she's probably like, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand why she thinks she can be out there when I'm in here and there's so much to do to get ready for dinner. And that desperation is catching up with her, all right? No doubt it caught up with her, possibly even to the point of where she actually, not intentionally, but maybe even bought in some of the cultural oppression. She's a woman. She should be in here with me, helping me. I, I'm having to do this. I'm a woman who has to do this. She should be in here. She shouldn't be out there with the men. She, she should be in here with me. Not that she agreed with it, but now she's angry, so she's not thinking exactly right. And so stuff is going through her head. How many of you have done that? I mean, like... You will take any justification you can to prove your point and to, to get you on your side even more. You know, we, we do this kind of stuff, you know. And this is where, this is where Mary's, uh, Mary's sitting there. But this is where Martha is going with Mary sitting there. Is what is going on here, all right? One, one writer uh, says this. He says, the, the implication here is that Martha wished to hear Jesus herself. That's why she invited him in. All right, but she was prevented from doing so by the pressure of providing hospitality for everyone. Martha wanted to be with Jesus, but she realizes this sense of re responsibility. And, and like many of you in the kingdom of God, she's probably well over-functioning. And she probably learned over-functioning as a child. And if she's a widow and lost her husband early, she probably learned to overfunction in other ways as well. And so she's doing what she's learned to do. And she's just going at it. All right? And, and so even in that, let me ask you, some of you, I know this about several of you, and I'm not pointing at you, and I'm saying this for everyone, I'm not picking on you. Will you please understand that, okay? All right? So this isn't about any one of you, all right? But a lot of you, like me, are yes people. You know what I'm talking about. Can you do this? Yes. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Will you do this? Yeah. I don't have time to do that. Why did I say that? You know what I'm talking about. There are scenarios after scenarios after scenarios of those moments when we say yes to someone because we don't want to disappoint them, we don't want to hurt them, uh, we, want to, we, we want them to like us, we want them to be pleased with us, we want to be accepted and not rejected, and so it's, we become yes people, and so that's the way it goes sometimes, all right? 
And I think God wants to deal with that. And I think Martha's a great place for us to do that. Martha is feeling the pressure of providing hospitality. i got to hurry through this. Um, <clears throat> she feels this pressure to, to do all of this, and she's feeling alone. And a lot of times we do this, and we say yes. A lot of times you say yes to your pastors when you maybe... I'm glad David's not here to hear me because he would just look at me right now. Uh, he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Some of you sometimes need to say no. Okay? Understand this. Everybody get this, all right? No is a very anointed word of God. <laughs> just say it sometimes. Nope, can't do that. Pastor Dave and I, would we... We love to do. This is a do in church. You heard that this morning just in the announcements. It's, it's amazing. Oftentimes visitors come and we have announcements. And after at the five-minute break, I'm introduced to someone and they'll say, wow, you guys do a lot. <laughs> and usually whoever's introducing them to us, who is a Life Church Covenant member, says, yes, we sure do. <laughs> and you do. We keep it going. We keep the momentum going. We are a church on mission. There's a lot of stuff that we do. But all of us, have to be able to live in a healthy place of saying no when we need to say no, and yes when we need to say yes. Let's go on now. Okay. Martha comes in because she's had enough of this, and she literally interrupts Jesus. And she says to him, you need, I'm paraphrasing, you need to do something. It's interesting. She doesn't tiptoe in Go around on the other side, come in behind Mary, tap her on the shoulder and say, Mary, come on, you got to help me. I'm busy. She just walks in this room with all these people and looks at Jesus and says, don't you care about me? Have we not done that? Are we not guilty of just walking into the plans of God and interrupting what he is doing and say, don't you care about me? You know, okay, another lesson to get, all right? Say no a lot, okay, but before you say no, just tell yourself this. It's not about me, because it ain't about you. <laughs> it is about Jesus and his purposes and his desires. And more than Jesus would desire that you do something great, he would desire that you would see his greatness from his feet as you sit there and take him in. You and I, we are prone to fall into traps. And I'm sure that Jesus' disciples, when Martha barges in, they would expect that Jesus would side with Martha. That's right. Tell Mary she needs to get up and she needs to go in there and, 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 and she needs to fulfill her cultural obligations or whatever they, they wanted to call them at the time. All right. Our family responsibilities. You're a sister. It's not just another woman in the room. This is a sister. You're my, it would appear, baby sister. All right? So come on, help me. We're family. We should be doing this together. And we think that Jesus should affirm that. Jesus should go along with that, and he doesn't. 
But let's go back a little bit. In chapter 9, there's a a would-be disciple who says, Hey, Jesus, before I answer this really hard call that you just gave me, I need to go and bury my father. And Jesus looks at him and says, Well, let the dead bury the dead. Whoa! Another wanted to say goodbye to his family. And Jesus talks about the importance of when you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. Whoa! His mothers and his brothers come to see him early in his ministry, and he says to the crowds when he's informed that his mother and his brothers are there, he says, my mother, my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Whoa. And later on, he promises a blessing to those people who left home or wife our brothers, our parents, our children, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Whoa, whoa. These are hard words, folks. These are tough things, okay? So Jesus isn't moving the way that everyone is trying to set him up or shape him to be. Why does he say these kind of off-the-wall things? Because he is teaching. He's, he's seeking to make, he's, he's, he's seeking to etch something in the hearts of the people. Like, like, this is like an indelible, like, imprint on everyone, all right? He wants to get into the minds of the disciples and shift and change things and paradigms and ways of thinking, all right? And, and so he, he's, he's raising the thinking of everyone here. And, and although we would say faithfulness to family should be preeminent, Jesus is putting a person's allegiance to following him higher than any other human responsibility. Completely and totally. I've got to love my wife. The Bible tells me to do that. I choose to do it, but I have to do it because that's what the Bible tells me to do is to love her. I have to love my son. I have to give to them, support them, take care of them, and I want to do that. There's nothing I love better than taking care of someone, but not at the expense of Jesus and my relationship with him. And the same goes true for all of you, every single one of us. So even though it cuts across some lines here, he looks at Martha, he rebukes her slightly, gently, and he says, he says, Martha, Martha, Mary, she's chose a good portion. In other words, she chose the best thing. And it won't be taken away from her. I'm not going to tell her that. I want you to understand that. She, she's chosen what's best here. Learn something, Martha. Get, get it, all right? He's saying here, I know there's some social expectations upon Mary, but even though it means neglecting regular duties, Mary has, she's chosen right. She's chosen to sit here and listen to me. And that's more important than anything, Martha. More important than anything she can choose or you could choose. What he's saying is that there isn't anyone who can rip this spiritual food away from her 
I know you're making all this temporal, natural food over here for all of us to eat and to be filled. But the reality is I'm feeding these people right now something far greater, far more valuable, and it's more important for me to do this and for you to wait. Maybe, Martha, you should join us. That'll wait. It'll be okay. So, hey, Martha, take off your apron. Come on in here. Just sit down right here by your sister. Sit with me. Let me speak life to you. Hear what I've got to say. Oh, we got to wrap this up. Two things that I really want you to, to get from this encounter, okay? Listening to what Jesus is teaching, I think is probably the highest honor you can express to him. And it's preferable over any human endeavor or any great work you will ever do. And I know in Western culture and in American culture in particular, that just seems like it's so upside down. No, the greater I get, the bigger the church is, the more we have, the more we can do. That's what God wants. And Please understand, Jesus in no way diminishes the responsibilities we have to do what we've been entrusted to do and to utilize the gifts and the talents that we've been given. That's evident throughout the scriptures, especially in the parable of the talents. But never at the expense of knowing him. Never at the expense of following him and being like him. The second lesson is this. Oftentimes, Please get this. The good in your life is the enemy of the best. We've got to be willing to shift our priorities in order to follow Jesus. And that means that before you do, you be. I want to hear of the great exploits of the people of Life Church. I want to know what you're doing, and I want to see what God is doing in your lives, and I want us to celebrate with one another the many things that we're accomplishing for the kingdom of God but not at the expense of you not knowing Jesus. Don't be a fake and build your reputation on what you have accomplished in your own strength because eventually you will burn out and you will lose in the end. And where will you be when you have nothing? Spend your time with Jesus. Spend your time at the feet of Jesus. And then do those good and noble things that Martha did. But do what is most valuable first. All right? So let's, let's just let's bring this home. All right? Where are you? When, when, when Martha welcomed Jesus, there, as I said, there could have been 100 people or more. After all, the 72 had just come back. So you bet there were a lot of them that were hanging around and excited about all the things that they had done, all right? And so here's this group, and they're all packed inside of the house. All of them are at the feet of Jesus. But Martha is not one of them because she's too busy, doing too much, doing it too soon. 
But put yourself in Martha's place for a minute. I'm going to bring this right into your hearts, and I'm going to put a dagger in your hearts today, okay? I'll pull it back out. I'll clean it off. I'll pour oil on you, and we'll all go home. But you're going to get it, so get ready, all right? Position yourselves here, okay? Put yourself in Martha's place just for a moment. How distracted would you be if 100 people crowded into your home? We've had probably 40, 50, maybe more college students in our house, so many shoes down in the foyer you can't even open the door, and that was enough. No offense to any of you college students, okay? But that was enough. You know, but 100 people in, in her little house, all right? And, and not only that, but some of these people were important people, special people, unique people, people uh, of, of position, people of prestige. Not only that, the Son of God himself is in the house, and he's teaching. All right, hear me well. Would you not want to put your best foot forward? Would you not want to do your very best? Would it not be in the back of your mind to think, I want these people to really think good about me? And suddenly in the fray of all of this, I become more important than Jesus. Her, her intentions were good. Her intentions were right. She started out perfectly right. But in the end, it was more about Martha than it was about Jesus. Where are you? In what you do, is what you do more important to you than it is to God? Are you doing what you do so people will think, well of you? Are you living a life that is, is prone to fall into anger or resentment or bitterness because other people are not helping you to get what needs to be done because you don't want to look bad? Where, where are you? In, in Matthew chapter 24, when you're talking about the second coming, Jesus says this. This is what Jesus describes about a diligent servant. He says, whoever is faithful and a wise servant, one whom his master has set over his household, to give them their food at the proper time. Who is that? And then he says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing this when he comes. I'm not telling you today to stop doing. I'm telling you today to put Jesus in the place of priority. Put him in the position of preeminence. Make him who he is supposed to be by your diligence to sit at his feet and hear his teaching and know him and love him and adore him and worship him. And when you've done that, you can walk away from there renewed and refreshed and restored and you can do anything that God calls you to do because you will be filled with his spirit and his power and you will walk in the authority of his name not your own strength or ability. And was that not what he said to the 72? Oh, demons were cast out. We did, we did miracles. We did, we did, we did, we did. And Jesus said, I know you did, but don't, don't celebrate that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, rejoice on the work, the complete work of the cross. Rejoice in me. I've given you life. Rejoice in the life that you've been given. And then out of that, give the life.
that you have to give and present your bodies a living sacrifice. Die to the Lord, but not until you've sat at his feet. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Elder Roy, come. Elder Roy is going to speak to you for a minute about the gospel, and then we'll have a song and you'll be able to go. Amen. Amen. So sometimes we have a hard time really believing that someone could love us so much that they would die for us, myself included. <clears throat> but there's a man. There's a man named Jesus who loved us that much. He decided, but first of all, God sent his son to this earth to live a perfect life, to be the example that, that we could live by. But then us being sinners, he took it farther. He decided that he would go to the cross and die for us. But he didn't, he didn't, stay, he didn't stay there because he loved us so much. Amen. In three days, he raised from the dead. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. That's love. And God is calling us, Jesus is calling us to, to that same kind of love, for us to love one another. There's not many people I'd, I'd actually die for, seriously. But there's no one in this room or in this world that Jesus didn't die for. He died for each one of us, for the sins, for, for our sins. Jesus lived a perfect life, and he wants us to imitate him. So that is the gospel. Let's Amen. try to be more and more like Jesus. Let's try to, try to live a life that is pleasing to him, mm -hmm. that our lives represent God, that represent Jesus. So I'm going to call the prayer team forward, and if anybody needs prayer, uh, the prayer team is here. And if you don't need prayer, uh, school start in Lenox next week, uh, this week. So pray for the teachers, the students, and everybody who will be involved in the school system. Amen. So I pray, and if you need prayer, come forward. Otherwise, we can be dismissed. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you are sovereign. We thank you, God, that you love us so much to where you just get, you gave your life for us so that we can have a relationship with, with God. And so we thank you for that, God. We pray, I pray that our lives will be lived today to represent you in everything that we do, God. So to you be the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray.